Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Tonight, Biden clashed with reporters during his European trip and CNN seems to be getting tired of his antics. Is the leftist media turning on Biden? And the state of Texas starting up the border wall project again. Says President Trump is headed down there for a visit. Attorney General Ken Paxton here with us tonight to detail his battle royale with the Biden administration. And the audit in Fulton County, Georgia, uncovering some major funkiness there. Over 100 batches of ballots have gone missing. We have former New York City Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick here to break it all down for us. Joe Biden just spent several days on his first foreign trip, and it was rocky, to say the least. When Joe Biden wasn't wandering around lost at events across Europe, he was fumbling with his note cards and getting into arguments with press outlets that are usually very friendly to him. After Biden's closed-door meeting with Vladimir Putin, Putin spent almost an hour speaking and then taking questions from reporter. Putin didn't use a teleprompter, nor did he have a list of reporters to take questions from. But then Biden came to the stage to speak to the press and gave a speech from a teleprompter and took a few questions. But he only took questions from reporters that handlers had carefully placed on a list exactly for him. I'll take your questions. And as usual, folks, they gave me a list of the people I'm going to call on. So, uh, Jonathan, is as Biden was leaving the stage, CNN reporter Caitlin Collins tossed a softball question at Biden and set him off. Watch this. Why are you so confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President? Yeah, I'm not confident changing behavior. What the hell? What do you do all the time? So when did I say I was confident? You I said, said in the next six I months. I said, what I said was, let's get it straight. I said, what will change their behavior is that the rest of the world reacts to them and it diminishes their standing in the world. I'm not confident of anything. I'm just stating the fact. Wow, he really said, what the hell do you do all day? Amazing. But Biden wasn't done yelling at that CNN reporter. Listen. Given his past behavior has not changed, and in that press conference after sitting down with you for several hours, he denied any involvement in cyber attacks, he downplayed human rights abuses, he even refused to say Alexei Navalny's name. So how does that account to a constructive meeting as President, President Putin? Prime you don't understand that, you're in your own business. If the with China he told Caitlin Collins of CNN that she's in the wrong business if she doesn't understand what he meant. And by the way, I will tell you a little secret that is well known inside the D.C. Beltway. Joe Biden has a reputation in D.C. for being a major jerk to everyone around him whom he doesn't see as a stepping stone to more power and money. He isn't the nice, sweet Uncle Joe, as the media sometimes portrays him when it behooves them. CNN's Jeff Zelaney complained on air on CNN about Biden's aides shielding him and even screaming at Biden to stop answering questions and at the press to stop asking them. Listen. 
uh, President Biden do that frequently. What we've not seen him do is answer questions uh, like that without his aides screaming at him to stop. I have never seen a president covering the last four of them who is so protected by his aides in terms of uh, often not wanting him to answer some questions. Leftist media is really in a tough position. They really want to help Joe Biden. They really want to be the ones to shield him and to spin his remarks in a positive way. But when the leftist media isn't even allowed to toss softball questions at him, they don't know what to do. They don't have much to look forward to, though. I think most of us thought that Kamala would have stepped in by now and taken the top spot at the White House. But if that happens, the media could be in a potentially worse situation. When Kamala is asked even the easiest of questions, she cackles. And she has the most annoying nervous laugh that comes out even during softball questions, and especially when the topic is not even worthy of a laugh. The bigger the crisis, the bigger the cackle. So if you think you're having a bad day, imagine what it must be like to be a member of the leftist elite media. They got this guy elected, and now he can't or won't talk to them, and the VP is an utter disaster. But if you're excited or even worried that CNN and other leftist media outlets are about to turn on Biden, don't worry. Watch the spin that one CNN analyst put on the Biden-Putin handshake. How will you pressure Putin today? Will you find common ground? All right, so there you have it. Uh, reporters shouting questions, but uh, we did see a handshake. Uh, uh. These moments are about moments. And I'll tell you one moment I noticed there in the Biden-Putin interaction. The handshake, Biden looked Putin in the eye with a smile. Putin looked away. Uh, again, you don't want to read too much or too little, but, but again, these are about public posturing. It's about how you project strength. And that, that was a notable moment to me. That was Jim Shuto on CNN. So there you go. Don't worry. CNN's still doing plenty of gushing over Biden, but it sure must get old covering for bumbling Biden and cackling Kamala. Coming up, the state of Texas is going to restart border wall construction that the Biden administration abandoned and Attorney General Ken Paxton fighting Biden in court to get him to do something to fix the border crisis. A.G. Paxton up next right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Don't go away. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. It's another day of the Biden border crisis, but the state of Texas isn't taking this lying down. The state of Texas ready to get border wall construction started again to stop the endless flow of illegals across their border. And if the border crisis weren't bad and embarrassing enough for Biden and Kamala, President Trump set to visit the border at the end of the month. And he is going to beat Kamala there unless she fires up Air Force Two and decides to get down there soon. But it's a constant battle between the state of Texas and the Biden administration. And on the front lines of that battle is the attorney general of the state of Texas, Ken Paxton. And we're so happy to have him join us right now. Attorney General Paxton, thank you for being with us again tonight. Hey, thanks for having me on. 
Now, that's pretty bad that Kamala uh, will be beat by Donald Trump to the border when the American people have been really begging for the Biden administration to address this issue, isn't it? It's embarrassing. Yeah, and it's, not, it's the American people. It's people along the border. It's, it's city officials that have to deal with this every day. It's local law enforcement, local police, sheriffs, uh, the Border Patrol are asking for help and asking for the leadership to come down and see with their own eyes and hear with their own ears what the stories are, what's actually happening with the cartels, and how these policies are devastating uh, the border, border towns in, in, in the state of Texas. And you certainly haven't let any grass grow under your feet on this, Attorney General. I see a new lawsuit from you just about every single week. You are busy uh, battling the Biden administration because this has become your full-time job. I'm sure there are other things an attorney general is supposed to do, but this is at critical mass, is it not? Yeah, and, and I, look, we saw what happened under the Obama administration, how the caravan started coming and then it kept on going into the Trump administration and you know, he was frustrated by it. Over time, he developed policies that worked, including a long-term solution of starting to build the wall and other things like stopping the catch and release and allowing border security to do their jobs and deporting people that are supposed to be deported and, and the whole stay in Mexico program. All those policies that were working were just dismantled almost overnight, and it's created these huge issues, and it hasn't helped the immigrants because now they're beholden to the cartels because every single one of them just about has to pay coming to the country and then the cartels have control over them. And now we know this was never really a humanitarian issue as the Democrats wanted to paint it. We know about um, the raping that has happened to women and little girls and probably little boys, I'm sure, as well. Um, we've seen evidence of children drowning. Uh, we've seen, uh, you know, the children being uh, hurt coming across the border. Um, we, we, can't, we can't even know about the drugs and other things that are planted on children and the way that these children are used, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the kids in cages are, is still a factor, and the ones that aren't being kept in cages are being put in hotels, et cetera. Um, and so this was really never about a humanitarian effort for, uh, you know, as they like to paint it, brown-skinned people. In fact, we find out that this is a lot more about padding the pockets of the cartels who are leftists, who are in turn working with the leftists in our country. And, and this has become quite a symbiotic and quite a profitable venture for leftists in this country um, at the expense, really, of the citizens in this country, especially those on the border. But we know that all cities, all, all states are border states at this point. But Texas in particular has borne the brunt of so much of this. Explain that cycle. Yeah, this is one of the reasons I wish Kamala or the president could come down and meet with people that have been victims of crime look them in the eye and tell them why this is necessary to, to open the border. If you wanna do more immigration, I would suggest a more rational policy that's passed by Congress, that's debated, instead of this policy, which in my opinion, only benefits the cartels. It's not benefiting the American people, certainly not my people in my state. It is not benefiting even the immigrants who are now subject to the cartels and having to answer to them, having to pay them, and having to trust them to guide them through the process of getting across the border and getting wherever they end up going. So in the end, the cartels are making billions of dollars and they are harming people 
you know, left and right, both Americans and non-U.S. citizens. And so it's a, it's a devastating uh, choice that the Biden administration has made. And I, I wish they would wake up and start working on fixing the problems they've created. Here's a question, though, and, and, and I, I, really, I really hesitate to believe that the Biden administration or Kamala has any real motive to fix this problem. Um, because you wonder if part of the plan is to overrun Texas and other border states, states rather, with illegals because Democrat-run states like California are losing population to states like Texas. Um, so you wonder sometimes, is this some sort of retaliation? And if they don't believe that they can get people's votes by you know, espousing values uh, that attract people to vote for them? Are they trying to get people to vote for them by bringing them here and making their vote a thank you note for letting them come here illegally? You know, it certainly looks that way. It certainly looks like one of the reasons. The other suggested reason might be that they really do want to destabilize some of the red states, the states that are doing well economically, the ones that are creating jobs, and bring in illegals who are would then take jobs from, from U.S. citizens and make it harder for them to have jobs. So, I mean, I hate to attribute negative you know, reasons for this, but if you can't find a benefit to the American people and you really can't find a benefit to the immigrants, it's certainly not the best way to bring them across, then you have to start asking what, what's the purpose. And I think your questions are really uh, well-timed. I think they're, they're, they're questions that need to be answered by the administration. And I want to ask about your upcoming election. You have a primary challenger now. George P. Bush throw, has thrown his hat in the ring, and he did an interview with John Solomon. Uh, Bush was very complimentary of Trump. But you have always been uh, such a pro-Trump candidate, and, uh, and so I just wanted to give you a chance to, um, to respond to that. Well, there's no doubt that from the day that President Trump came into office that I've, we've worked with him and his administration. Uh, I think he did some of the most amazing things that I've ever seen a president do, got more done in a very short period of time on so many issues that I think were good for America. He didn't end up getting credit for a lot of that. But if you go from the economy to, to you know, the, not just domestic policy, but international policy, and just the types of things he did to help our country, we've been supportive of that. We've worked with him. And, you know, the fact that another Bush wants to run for a higher office, nothing new here. He uh, didn't seem to do such a good job in his land commissioner job as he, he had difficult issues with the Alamo and then with uh, disaster relief funds getting them to the right place. So apparently he wants to just do something different. All right. Attorney General Ken Paxton, thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. Have a great evening. You do the same. Coming up, we're going to tell you what city is giving COVID vaccines to children without their parents' consent. And we'll also give you an audit update. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. 
We'd like to welcome those of you that are now watching us on RAV TV on Samsung TV Plus channel 1029. We're happy to have you. All right, you may remember that a few weeks ago, a judge in Georgia cleared the way for an audit of absentee ballots in Fulton County, Georgia. And we're already starting to hear about some of the funkiness regarding what is happening in that heavily Democrat county in the 2020 election. Just the news reporting today that the Georgia audit has found over 100 batches of ballots are actually missing. And in the state where Biden won by only 12,000 votes, that could spell some big trouble for the left as they try to continue the lie that everything in the 2020 election was totally on the up and up. Somebody who's been watching this closely, former New York City Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick, and he joins me now. Bernie, so glad to have you. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks, Gina. All right, what does all this mean, Commissioner? Because people, you know, you, if you watch the timelines of the left on Twitter, they say, oh, it's just conspiracy, y'all are crazy, you're making a big deal out of nothing, nothing to see here, move along. But if you do some of the math on this, it starts to look like these numbers could really add up to something. What say you? Well, you know what, Gina, it's beyond the math. And this is evidence. This is real evidence that's coming out as a result of a civil litigation and an investigation into what happened on November 3rd. And there's a couple things that John Solomon, who I personally think should be put in for a Pulitzer on this, um, he basically outlined today how there was an internal auditor that worked for the Secretary of State that monitored, monitored the election from November 2nd to November 7th. As a result of what he saw, he documented it in a 25-page report that went to the Secretary of State. In, in that document, there is criminality, there's corruption, there's incompetence, there's a lack of supervision. There's It's 25 pages of a failed election that went to the Secretary of State on November 12th. Keep in mind, that same Secretary of State and the governor of Georgia, Governor Kemp, continually has said that there was nothing wrong with the election. That Secretary of State went on 60 Minutes and said there was nothing wrong with the election. That Secretary of State on January 2nd had a phone call with President Trump and then leaked the call, and the call, or the call was leaked to the press, and he tried to get the president indicted for calling him about the election, complaining that there was a problem with the election. Everybody in Georgia, the governor, the secretary of state, and the lieutenant governor has consistently said there were no problems, but they knew. They knew by their own auditor, by their own internal inspector that monitored the election from the 2nd to the 7th, they knew there were problems. So let's talk about the missing batches. My information is there's up to 174 missing batches. That's 17,400 missing ballots. 17,400. That means Donald Trump won by 5,000 if that was the only number you were looking at. But what about an external uh, guy that came in and activated 50,000 inactive ballots, 50,000 inactive voters. What he did is he looked at the voting uh, voters from the prior two presidential elections. He found 50,000 inactive voters. Those inactive voters were then activated, and coincidentally, they all wound up living in the same area. And they voted 
in the 2020 election. That's 50,000 more ballots that were illegal. This stuff is going to continue to come out. And I think what John Solomon has done and, and this civil litigation out of Fulton County has done is demonstrated that Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani, Peter Navarro and I and others were all right. This, there was no false narrative. This was this entire election was was secreted with fraud and corruption. And basically, Governor Kemp, the first uh, the lieutenant governor and the secretary of state concealed it. Why? Well, listen, you know, I, I think you're going to have to ask the governor and the lieutenant governor and, and the secretary of state. Um, my uh, my personal opinion Governor Kemp didn't want Trump to win. Governor Kemp, in fact, I know he didn't want Trump to win because we made every attempt as we collected evidence in the legal team. Rudy Giuliani tried to call the governor to talk to him about it, to give it to him, to tell him about it. He tried to call the Secretary of State. They didn't need, and Giuliani was the head of the legal team for the President of the United States, and the governor wouldn't even return his calls. Somebody's going to have to ask the governor, but I, I'll tell you something. In the end, I, I got to be honest. People should be held accountable. People should be fired or they should resign. And I think some people are going to go to prison because what happened in Fulton County and in Georgia was a crime. It seems like there's no doubt that if all of this took place, there, there was criminal behavior here. Um, but the question is, why would they risk all of this just because the election didn't have the outcome that they wanted? It almost seems like uh, there had to be more at stake for them than this, that someone was paying them or something like that. It just seems like this has to be bigger than just they didn't like the outcome. Doesn't it seem so? Well, you know what? Yeah, you know what, Gina? I mean, there's a bunch of stuff you could look at, right? You could look at a $120 million contract to Dominion uh, that was a, uh, you know, a one bid contract. Uh, you know, you can look at things like that. You can look at a hundred different reasons. I think that will come with time that will come through an investigation, but I gotta be honest. They never thought anybody would push the investigation. They never thought this information would come out. The secretary of state has been sitting on that report, that 25 page report since November 12th. And nobody knew about it until John Solomon found it. So at the end of the day, I guess they have their reasons for concealing, for suppressing, for hiding, for lying. But at the end of the day, I think uh, the investigation will continue. And I think we're going to see two things. One, Donald Trump won Georgia by a major number. And two, there was a conspiracy within to make sure that uh, that wasn't public. And then, and then what do we do with that information? What happens at that point? I think that's what everybody wants to know. Well, I think, I think that's, that's still up in the air. And, and here's, here's the way I look at this. You have this in Georgia. You have that audit in Arizona, the forensic audit. Uh, you know, I was out there last week with Vernon Jones. And I can tell you, I know the Democrats, uh, you know, the mainstream media, the, the left, they were spazzing out about that audit because they were afraid of what was going to come out of it. But I also believe, I, I probably more so believe, that they're, they're afraid that that's irrefutable. That forensic audit 
has accountability, has transparency, has supervision, um, accuracy, uh, a chain of custody. It's got everything that the election didn't have. So I, I bet, I would bet Georgia and Arizona will be the first two of several states that are going to come out and say, Joe Biden didn't win these states. It was Donald Trump. Then what happens? If I was the other state governors, I'd, be, I'd already be starting uh, looking at forensic audits in those states. Um, and then it's up to Congress. Then it's up to the legislatures. Then it's up to the people of those states uh, to make a determination of what they're going to do, because this is unprecedented. We've never had corruption of this magnitude. We've never, we've never been in a position where we had to look at a path for a possible, you know, reinstatement of a president. This has never happened before. So I think that's that's going to be looked at later. For now, we've got to identify every state where there was corruption, where there was criminality, and where the election was certified when it shouldn't have been. So fascinating. Absolutely unprecedented in our history, and uh, therefore impossible to call how this is all going to end. Who's going to go to prison over this? Well, I think, I think there's a number of people uh, that has to be looked at. But in Fulton County, I can tell you alone, um, right off the bat, Stacey Abrams has to be looked at. She's all over the Fulton County election. Um, you know, I, uh, I've been privy to some of the investigative stuff. And I can say firsthand, um, she was overwhelmingly involved in overseeing the Fulton County election, the fraud, the the uh, the things that went on there. Um, if I was the GBI and I was the FBI, I'd already been knocking on her door with some warrants and some uh, some search warrants uh, and subpoenas. So uh, I, I think time will tell. The investigation has to continue. Um, but for one, Stacey Abrams has big problems. And I guess confidence in some of these agencies, though, Commissioner, I mean, let's be realistic here. We don't see a, a lot of action when it comes down to prosecutions on um, things like this when it comes to our FBI and things like that. It seems like the, those kinds of things are, are uh, reserved for the two-tier justice, justice system. Um, yeah, and you, uh, you know what, that Gina, end up in one, trouble are on our thing, side. The, yeah, the one thing that scares me is that you know, the GBI and the FBI should have been looking at this, but why didn't the governor, why didn't Governor Kemp order the GBI to look into it? Why wasn't GBI and the FBI knocking on Louis Freeman's door the day after, right. the, you know, the, the day after the Fulton County uh, video went public, when we made that public in the hearing with Giuliani? They, they should have been knocking on our door the next morning. There should have been subpoenas. There should have been depositions. 100%. There was nothing. So, so, it so, goes so back what's to your the level of confidence? Back to the governor. Right, I agree with that. But what's it, your level of confidence it, it, that, that people like the FBI are going to act suddenly now and, and do their jobs? Well, I think it, now it's going to be up to the people. Now it's going to be up to the Georgians. Um, you know, I personally, I think Governor Kemp's got to go. I think the Secretary of State's got to go. Uh, it's going to be up to the people of Georgia to make that happen and, and look at what happened. But this, keep in mind, Gina, this is only the beginning. It's going to get far worse, I promise you. CNN, CNN's Anderson Cooper did a piece, Commissioner, on the Arizona election audit. They called it a fraud. I want you to watch a little of this report. I want to get your reaction.
We've been following that so-called audit in Phoenix. More than 2 million votes from the 2020 presidential election. The ballot examiners project they will finish their hand recount by June 26. There's another significant development, which has gone pretty much unreported. The so-called analyzing of some of the votes are being done by a contractor who's taken copies of voting data to a spot in rural Montana. Our Gary Tuckman has the story. On this piece of property in a remote part of Montana, people may at this very minute be analyzing voting data from the state of Arizona as part of the so-called Arizona audit run by the Cyber Ninjas, a company whose CEO had previously espoused Trump-style election conspiracy theories. Commissioner Sinan called it a so-called audit, so-called analyzing of votes, fraud it in the lower third on that report. Is he just scared of what might be uncovered in this Arizona audit? Because they are painting this, already setting it up as a completely Trump thing. How will this, well, I, how will I this play that, itself out? This is what I was talking about before. I think they're afraid of what's going to come out of the audit. But I also think, I know, I'm positive. They know they're not going to be able to refute the findings. And I know that because I walked that I walked that entire coliseum myself. I even I wrote a piece that's uh, up on Newsmax uh, in my blog on Newsmax um, three days ago about the credibility of that audit. And so, in short, let me tell you this: the security, the physical security, the technical security, the the oversight, the supervision of the tables, the visuals. You know, there is images. That are captured over each table, whether it's counting, whether it's imaging, whether it's tabulation, whether it's calculation, there are videos of, of everything. Everything is, you know, captured by video supervision, transparency. Um, I think what we're going to see come out of that audit is two things: uh, whatever happened in Arizona happened. You're going to get the results, but you're also going to see an audit that nobody can go back to and say. This was wrong. That was wrong. They didn't do this. They concealed that. They they hid this. They suppressed that. All the stuff they did in the election, they're not doing it in that, in that audit. And you're going to see that at the end. Well, it's amazing. You know, if they'd just done these things in the election counting in the first place, in the ballot counting in the first place, uh, we wouldn't have to be going through all of this, would we? It's amazing to think. Anyway, um, we sure do appreciate you being with us today. Thank you so much, Bernie Carrig. Thank you. Coming up, some news you did not know and the brand new ad from the Republican Party that decimates Biden over his ties to Russia. You don't want to miss this. That's next right here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. It is now time for some news you didn't know. Thank you, Dr. Gina. And recently, the U.S. Intelligence Department assessed what is known as the mysterious Havana syndrome. It's a syndrome first discovered in Havana, Cuba in 2016 that has caused many U.S. diplomats and other government officials working in Havana 
to report physical ailments like hearing strange high and low pitched sounds, physical sensations, balance issues, and memory problems very similar to someone with a mild traumatic brain injury or concussion and something doctors have been able to confirm with imaging. The assessment found that the Havana syndrome most likely started as unintentional side effects of foreign efforts to collect intelligence from U.S. government employees' electronics devices, but is now being used as a sort of warfare. U.S. intelligence did come up with a theory, and that is that the syndrome stems from intense electromagnetic energy waves used to steal information from cell phones and computers. According to the Department of National Intelligence, 130 people have reported symptoms over the years, with close to 80 of them being from the U.S. Department of Defense. So Dr. Gina, the DNI says they're working hard to get to the bottom of who exactly is behind the syndrome that originated in Havana, Cuba, but a mysterious syndrome that has also been reported from places like China, Asia, Russia, Western Europe, and now the U.S. as of late last year, where a U.S. government worker in Washington, D.C. came down with the mysterious syndrome, causing the Biden administration to call for the assessment. Dr. Gina, back to you. Thanks, Jessica. All right, the RNC has released a scathing new ad now that Biden has given away the store to our Russian enemies. We are going to show it to you right after I introduce retired gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps, Jesse Jane Duff. She is with us from our DC studios. Great to see you, Jesse Jane. Hi, Gina, it's good to see you. All right, Jesse Jane, uh, let's check out this new ad. The RNC just put this out, take a listen. It's morning again in Russia. Today, thousands of comrades are going back to work building Russia's future. Thanks to US President Joe Biden putting Russia first, the Russian economy is being built back better. Biden's hard work removing sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline means more money for our government to do the work of the Russian people. Billions and billions of rubles to build a stronger future for Russia. Thanks to Joe Biden, it's moving again in Russia. A lot of skepticism about the RNC out there these days among MAGA people, but I have to say that commercial, pretty impressive. What did you think? I thought it was absolutely fabulous because it's a new morning in Russia because of Joe Biden. What a profound statement. Meanwhile, we have a Democratic Party that was chasing after President Trump, trying to say that he was colluding with Russia when literally he had some of the strongest sanctions against Russia, disciplined Russia so that they could not go after Nord Stream 2 that would give them energy dominance throughout all of Europe, which would have been a national security risk to all the countries that were at bay for them. And essentially, now we're all sitting here and watching this guy become Putin's lapdog, and we don't hear a thing from the left. Basically, they're trying to say that it's a new world with Joe Biden. Well, guess what? It is globalism at its best. Jesse Jane, this whole trip really has been one disaster after another for Joe Biden, despite how hard the media tries to cover it up. And after his meeting with Putin, he got into it with CNN reporter Caitlin Collins. She tossed a softball question at him, and it set him off. Listen. Why are you so confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President? Yeah, I'm not confident changing behavior. What the hell? What do you do over there? So when did I say I was confident? You I said, said in the next six months. I said, what I said was, let's get it straight. I said, what will change their behavior is that the rest of the world reacts to them and it diminishes their standing in the world. I'm not confident of anything. I'm 
just stating the fact. What the hell do you do all day? Can you imagine a, a president of the United States <laughs> yelling that at a reporter's question like she's not supposed to ask it when he only takes so few anyway? You know, listening to him respond to reporters, if he's not prepared for an answer, he gets very defensive very quickly. Now, we had a president, President Trump, who threw back at these reporters some of the malarkey, to use Joe Biden's word, uh, at, back at them because they were attacking, they were aggressive. But nobody's done that with President Biden. Basically, he's getting these questions that he should be able to coherently answer. But if he gets defensive, we see a very nasty side of him come out. We even saw that in the presidential debates. Like, after the first 20 minutes, he started to get loose. And then you start hearing the, come on, ma'ams, and give me a break. And what did he do in the Russia uh, with this summit, the G7 summit? He's like, it's only been 120 days. I'm like, no, Joe, it's been 50 years, and you have yet to prove to us that you put America first. It's, it's humorous to see him get unraveled so quickly over the simplest of things. Which is a typical symptom of cognitive decline, and, and very terrifying to think of him with his uh, finger on the proverbial nuclear button. Jesse Jane, Biden yelled some more at Caitlin, Caitlin Collins. Apparently that wasn't enough for him. Listen to this. Given his past behavior has not changed, and in that press conference after sitting down with you for several hours, he denied any involvement in cyber attacks. He downplayed human rights abuses. He even refused to say Alexei Navalny's name. So how does that account to a constructive meeting as president? He told a female reporter, I just want to point this out, that she's in the wrong business if she's too dumb to understand what he meant. If this were Donald Trump, the media would be screaming sexist, right? Probably misogynist too, just because they like to throw that word right behind sexist when describing Donald Trump or any other conservative. Uh, but it doesn't seem like Joe Biden is the nice guy that the media likes to say he is, the Uncle Joe, for example. Um, and it isn't his reputation on the Beltway to be such a nice guy. Actually, he's thought of as someone with a rather uh, short fuse and sharp tongue. Well, he's not used to being pushed back upon. You know, when he was under the Obama-Biden administration, they basically had the same uh, lackluster or aggressive media. They were very complacent and allowed a lot of the corruption that we have since heard about and have tried to unravel. But now he's up there and he's talking to the press and he's getting frazzled and he's getting defensive. And you know what? Cybersecurity is a major concern because it, it can control everything. We just saw with the pipeline that got shut down in the United States how dramatic of an impact it had upon Americans. And meanwhile, he empowers a pipeline over in Russia. Now, when people say that, well, it was a private business, it's not, um, it's not the business of the White House, this is a big concern of ours. When you study the energy in the United States, if our enemies can control shutting down our electric, our fuel, or any other measures, they can essentially disable our country. It is a national security issue. How many military bases are up and down the eastern seaboard and if we do not have energy to fuel our aircraft, our uh, machines, our, our, our every aspect of it, and get up and down the eastern seaboard, that is a national security risk. But nope, the White House wanted to push it back, wanted to act like it wasn't their concern. And cybersecurity is an astronomical concern. But I don't think that Joe Biden understands that anymore. I think he's probably
probably still living in the Cold War era of basically being nuclear weapons. They don't have to do that to us anymore. They can have an electric magnetic pulse go off, which would be comparable to a nuclear weapon going off in the atmosphere. It can shut down our entire grid of electricity. It can shut down our banking systems. It can shut down our food supplies, everything, supply chain. And millions upon Americans will die if that is allowed to happen. This is serious. And then let me add this. How does he go to Russia and tell them, now don't attack these 16 things, this list. Don't go here because this will really make me mad. I think that was the list he wasn't supposed to speak out loud, and he decided to speak out loud anyway. Well, and I mean, how does he go to Russia and really say anything? He started out completely compromised when we know that his son, Hunter Biden, has taken millions of dollars um, you know, in a deal from the mayor of Moscow's wife. I mean, there's just no way that he didn't start this whole meeting in a, in a very compromised position, which may be the whole reason for the pipeline agreement to begin with, right? Exactly. And Putin is a smart man. He had uh, military exercises, Russian military exercises going off of the coast of Hawaii during the G7 summit. Why are there exercises going off the coast of any U.S. Uh, state or territory other than to try to intimidate and show that they have the upper hand on Joe Biden? You hit the nail on the head. He has been compromised. That's why we're not going to see an aggressive leadership out of this president. We know that he doesn't have the America first. It's a new morning in Russia. That's now the new theme for the Biden administration. It, it really is. And, uh, you know, speaking of Hunter Biden, I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up this story that is trending, actually, about Hunter Biden becoming an artist now. And his art is going to be sold for six figures. Um, and you have to realize that art is one of the most unregulated businesses, so to speak, uh, in the entire American economy. So this screams money laundering. How easy would it be to launder money? You can just imagine a Chinese or a Russian buyer, which maybe is how he should have done things in the first place and he wouldn't be in the trouble he's in because no one could prove it was laundering. But now he's gotten smarter and he's going to sell art. Um, pay to play? Uh, what do you think, Jesse? Are people going to be buying paintings for access to the White House? Is that how he made the money when his dad, I mean, that is already how he made the money when his dad was vice president. Is that how he's going to make the money now that his dad is holding the title of president currently? Right. So, you know, we know with the Trump family that they were scrutinized so much that Eric Trump right. had to stop working on uh, fundraising for St. Jude, which was cancer research for children. We know that right. they had to disengage with a lot of their business dealings overseas, rightfully so, because of the attempt to compromise. But here we have now a son of a president, a sitting president, where they're looking at offering a million dollars for some of his paintings. And I dare to say you're going to see Iranians and Hamas and Russians and, and Chinese. Chinese nefarious players are going to all line up to purchase this artwork because it's going to be the wink and the nod. You and I both know it. You know, it, his name in itself is bringing up the value of this art. And uh, I think that that should be scrutinized while the president is sitting in office, that foreign buyers should get should be scrutinized. It shouldn't be allowed because, you know, that if the uh, Trump children had done that, in fact, Ivanka Trump shut down her own business. They shut down all of their right. business while their father was in the White House. But it looks like the hunter of that hunter biden is ramping his up yeah well you know pictures of him blowing through a straw to make this art um we're used to seeing pictures of hunter biden with a straw to his face whether it's parmesan or various powdery substances or now paint i guess it, it just it just kind of follows doesn't it jesse jane <laughs>
<laughs> just sniff those fumes, man. Sniff the fumes. Sorry. You, you just really, really have to uh, have to be concerned sometimes, don't you? Um, but you know, when you really look at this and you put it side by side, you know, whether it's whether it's looking at their first hundred days, Jesse James. Accomplishments of the Trump administration. My son actually brought me the list last night again of uh, he's got it archived uh, of the Trump accomplishments in the first 100 days, and then you put that next to the things that the Biden administration has done to basically screw up the country in the first uh, little over 100 days, and and you put them side by side, and it's 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 it would be humorous if it weren't so horrifying because this is actually our country now hopefully mm. somehow we can right this ship i mean we've done it before we're americans i believe in us but at the same time uh, the comparison, when you put the side-by-side -side of Ivanka shutting down her company and Eric having to uh, back away from raising money for children with cancer, uh, and you put that side-by-side -side with, you know, now Hunter Biden blowing through a straw rather than sucking through a straw. I mean, you really, I, I, the whole thing is just, it's, it's, it's out of a movie. If you wrote it in a novel, Jesse Jane, people would say it was too far-fetched. It couldn't be true. It would never happen in America. In fact, there are people who have said things like this could never happen in America. I think of the North Korean dissident who her own father said these things would never happen in America. And now here we are. Yeah. What about the North Korean student who went to an Ivy League school? She said that language that was being used to describe whiteness in America and how they build up this distaste and hatred for each other, the divisiveness that they were teaching in the school. She said this is right out of a North Korean playbook. The language was exactly the same as to what they spread about Americans. Now Americans are spreading it about themselves within our own borders. We are now dismantling the relationships that took decades to build. Where we are today is leaps and bounds in front of where we were 40 and 50 years ago. Our diversity, our performance and uniting as one and our country's strong strength is through that we all fall under that red, white and blue. But now that we have this communist Marxist ideology infiltrated into the left, into the Democratic Party, they're shoving it down our throats where we now are climbing all over each other and, dis and not trusting each other. This is not a coincidence. And then when you have this reliance upon the government to save you from all of this, that is exactly what the Communist Party does. That's what Marxism does. And when you're seeing the first 100 days of this administration of what they've done, they essentially dismantled just about every single accomplishment that the Trump administration put forward. They want us to be not energy independent, but dependent. They want us back in the Paris Climate Agreement, which essentially we have the cleanest air in the world, and yet they're not letting China, they're not going after China for the filth in their country. We're looking at dismantling every bit of freedom we have. Our wages are dropping, our inflation is skyrocketing, our borders are wide open, and we got people flooding into this country, record numbers, and yet this administration is trying to blame Donald Trump for everything, and yet they want to take credit for the COVID vaccinations that have essentially happened under the Trump administration. I'd like to say something about that RNC. I know a lot of MAGA supporters distrust them. I would say to this to the MAGA supporters, then what are you doing to fix it? Because we are the party of Lincoln. We are the party of freedom. And if you want to go out and go against that, all you're doing is undermining it. Even President Trump says, I'm 
I'm not creating a third party. I would say to everybody, get involved and make a change. Get the people elected that we need because we will not get Trump back into that White House if we don't have uh, America first people back in Congress and in the Senate. So it's important that people become part of the solution instead of part of the problem. We got to unite as conservatives behind President Trump. That's right. If you don't like the establishment, then become part of it. Um, all right, Jane, Jane, hold on tight because now it is time for our meme of the day. We see an old man, and he appears to be drinking a little bit, and he says that he was all in favor of LGBTQ until he realized it didn't stand for let's get Biden to quit. Uh, you know, I wonder how many people out there thought that that's what it stood for, Jesse Jane. All these acronyms can be very confusing, especially when they keep adding on to the tail end of them, can't they? I think that's just absolutely hysterical. Let's get Biden to quit. But let's just remember one thing. Who's going to take his place? It'll be Kamala Harris, who's really a do-nothing, giggling buffoon. So uh, be careful what you ask for. We got one buffoon. We traded for another buffoon. So honestly, we just got to win in 2022 and get our feet back in that White House in 2024. Sounds like a perfect plan to me, Jesse Jane Duff. Thank you so much for being with us for all of your military expertise, especially comes in handy on this show. Thank you so much. Mwah. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And thanks to you for joining me tonight. Thanks to everyone here at your new home for Real News, Real America's Voice, RAV TV, live from Studio 6B, up next with Damon and his crew. Hug your children. Love your God. You go boldly now and live the truth. We'll see you tomorrow night on Freedom Friday. Till then.